0: It is Wednesday, February 21st, 2024, and this is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellogg. I'm Matthew Moore. Today, the University of Arkansas is considering outsourcing, groundskeeping, and custodial work. It's left staff members worried about their future.
1: It's killed morale. You know, uh, people have given everything they have, blood, sweat, and tears. The harder they work, now they feel like it's, you know, arranging deck chairs and as they say on the Titanic.
2: Plus, Upskill NWA provides tuition, books, and more for qualifying residents seeking a career in healthcare.
3: Also, I think it's important to note that this isn't a handout. The participant has a lot of skin in the game.
0: And an excerpt of the latest episode of the transgender experience in Arkansas. All that and more after the news from NPR.
4: Arkansas PBS welcomes Antiques Roadshow to Bentonville for a day-long appraisal event May 14th. PBS's ongoing series returns to Arkansas to uncover tales of family heirlooms, flea market finds, and more. Experts offer evaluations for antiques, art, and collectibles. Information at
0: myarpbs.org slash events. This is Ozarks at Large for Wednesday, February 21st, 2024. I'm Matthew Moore. First today, a story about jobs at the University of Arkansas. Zachary Kaler has been a member of the grounds crew at the University of Arkansas for the last four years. His official job title is heavy equipment operator, but he also has
1: a self-imposed title. The number one grass cutter. And uh, there's two of us, and we cut the grass on the majority of the lawns.
0: What, what does it take to earn the title of the number one grass cutter? That sounds like an earned title. I just called title. myself,
1: you know, no, I just called myself that. Mike's a good guy. Mike's been with us for a little while. He's a good guy. We're both, uh, we're both number one. He says he and his coworkers sincerely enjoy doing it. The level of passion I've seen from guys that are willing to get up at you know, 2 a.m. in the morning to be at work at 3 a.m. in the morning to do the job in the cold and a Kubota with no heat. Just so the students and the faculty and anybody could come to the university without slipping and falling, without sliding out. I mean, I don't know. If that's not passion, I don't know what is.
0: But in late January, Kaler found out that his job and maybe his
1: employer could be different soon. And we were informed that they're seriously considering going with an outside source uh, company and that uh, we won't be employees of the university anymore. Ozarks at Large obtained a recording of the meeting
0: that was held on January 30th, led by the Associate Vice Chancellor for Facilities, Scott Turley. The
5: first is that nothing's been decided. Um, This was a decision to at least explore this, and so um, we've engaged a company called SSC.
0: SSC Services for Education is a private for-profit business that specializes in custodial and groundskeeping services for higher education institutions. According to their website, SSC is working in more than 50 colleges and universities in the U.S. A letter was provided to the U of A staff from Groundskeeping and Housekeeping that says the U of A has requested a review by representatives of SSC. Consultants with SSC who have expertise in higher education building custodial and campus landscape services will be conducting a site visit January 31st to February 1st. The letter goes on to say feedback gathered will be shared with university leadership in late February to early March and appropriate time would be needed for the university to diligently evaluate options. This study could lead to multiple outcomes, including... No changes at all, a hybrid approach including some functions but not others, or a full external management transition of all functions. Mark Rushing is Associate Vice Chancellor for University Relations and the head spokesperson for the U of A. He says the number of employees impacted by this decision ultimately depends on which of those three options the university lands on, but. I guess the potential would be
5: a few hundred employees. But I, I don't have the exact number because I think it would depend on uh, what decisions are made after, at the end of the assessment.
0: Brad Edwards is the coordinator for housekeeping for the University of Arkansas and has been an employee of the university for 15 years. He says he has not been given any assurances of job security.
6: That will impact my livelihood. For one, um, I have a I have family, I have a home to take care of. Um, things like that, you know. So just, just for um, outsourcing, losing possibly losing jobs, they would affect me re- really bad.
0: When he first got word about the potential changes, he decided to put together a petition. It reads in part: "Building Services has had a long history of being loyal, faithful, and hard workers. Our custodians are the university's essential workers that show up for the days campus is closed due to harsh weather." They were our frontline workers throughout the COVID pandemic. We are asking for the same faithful backing from our university community to assist us in petitioning our leadership to reconsider the decision to outsource our jobs. Edwards says he collected more than 400 signatures from faculty and staff at the university.
6: I want to pursue the petition to get as many people involved as possible to come forward, speak, speak, and try to try to save their jobs and so um for me it was like a mission for a mission for me to get as many signatures as possible make a statement a big statement and what do you want that statement to be we're not going
1: anywhere we're here to stay
0: kayler says he's proud to work for the university
1: and everybody felt the same way we were like you know we had job security we had, A lot of people have said, we're not there for the money, it's for the benefits.
0: Whether you are a tenured professor at the University of Arkansas or the number one grass cutter, having a full-time position provides you with access to pretty substantial benefits. That includes health insurance for you and your family, a retirement plan, and a tuition discount. Full-time employees can receive as much as a 90% discount on tuition. Their spouses and children can receive half-off tuition. Rushing says if the university does decide to move forward with SSC, they have made the decision that anyone currently taking advantage of the tuition discount program would be allowed to continue and finish the program regardless. Michael Pierce is a professor of history at the University of Arkansas whose research often focuses on labor. He says when he first heard about the potential outsourcing, he had concerns. The biggest red
7: flag is this is part of a, a larger trend that has been going on across the United States for probably 40 or 50 years, this privatization. And, and the reason they generally do this is to cut costs. They want um, the maintenance costs, they want the custodial cost, they want the grounds cost to be as little as possible. They will promise to continue paying the current employees' wages. But it automatically becomes in their best interest to get rid of the longest tenured, the highest paid employees and replace them with new hires who start back at the minimum and And for these companies that um, privatize and provide these services, high turnover is instrumental in their business model and so, with Mr. Edwards here, he's been here fifteen years. That means nothing to these these private companies because their pay is slightly above others. Um, it will become in the privatized company's
0: interest to get rid of them and hire new workers. Back at the meeting with the grounds crew, a member asked whether or not there is any guarantee that SSC will hire and keep the current university employees. Turley says that for some period of time...
5: That's undefined at this point,
1: but at least for some period of time, you would be guaranteed a job. How far up does it go as far as... Guarantee or... I mean, no, positions... How? how um, is your position at risk? No. Kaler says the mood of the staff has changed a lot since that meeting. It's killed morale. You know, uh, people have given everything they have, blood, sweat and tears. The harder they work, now they feel like it's, you know, arranging deck chairs. And as they say on the Titanic, you know, it's like until we know for sure, it kind of all bets are off. People are uh, they, they want to know.
0: Rushing says the university has moved jobs to an outside agency before. You know,
5: over 25 years ago, the university made the decision to move its dining services to an externally sourced uh, model or externally managed model. The University of Arkansas bookstore has gone back and forth between an externally managed model back to internally managed. And then now... Uh, back to an externally managed model with uh, Barnes & Noble.
0: The university has already been contracting out some of the landscaping and grounds maintenance work, but Kaler says there's a noticeable difference between the contracted work and the university employees'
1: work. To my knowledge, aren't doing the trash. They aren't doing uh, the mulching of the leaves in, in fall. They aren't doing the stick pickup. These are constant things on a a daily basis. They come and trim and cut the grass. That's fine. But there's so much more to the job. And so that's why there's cigarette butts on the ground. That's why nobody notices until they notice. Then they go, man, why does it look so bad? Well, you're paying for the soup, but you don't want the spoon.
0: Rushing says the company helping to make these assessments is called a REIT. In February of 2023, the university announced that they had hired this company after placing a bid for Campus Cost Containment Consulting Services. That contract was for $1.65 million, according to the university's expenditures for fiscal year 2023. A
5: REIT knows that SSC uh, is a part of a larger Cooperative consortium contract that Arkansas procurement law allows us to work with. And so it would be natural for a REIT to consider SSC and get uh, and include them as a part of the assessment.
0: Senator Greg Letting serves District 30, which includes Fayetteville and, of course, the University of Arkansas campus. He says he has been told by university employees that no decision has been made at this time, but he says it is also worth noting that March 6th is the first day of meetings with higher education institutions with the Arkansas legislature for the fiscal session.
8: From what I'm hearing from employees on the campus, it does sound like the university is trying to get into a position where they can have a decision made before that meeting.
0: When asked about the March 6th meeting, Rushing says he hasn't reviewed the agenda, but he offered to follow up when he knew more. In the meantime, Kaler says some of his colleagues are not counting on job security.
1: They're coming up with their backup plans in case they have to. I know guys that are paying over 1000 1045 just for the rent. Fateville finally caught up with the rest of the world. I mean, it's the rents are ridiculous, not just for the students, but for people that are trying to work and live here. And I've always said nobody's going to commute 100 miles to make you a cup of coffee in the morning. And that, that needs to be... Put in the decision process because you're phasing people out. It's a rippling effect. Pretty soon you're not going to be able to. The people that are doing the very daily tasks that you don't even notice without a scene are not going to be able to afford to live in an economical, uh, feasible place where they can commute to work and do the job for what's being offered.
0: Rushing says the assessment is still ongoing, so there's no set date for an announcement right now.
5: We just want to make sure we've got all the data we need heard from everybody we need to hear from to make the right decision. But if the decision is made to go with an external management, uh, realistically, that would not be implemented until sometime next fiscal year.
0: So we're looking at like uh, at the earliest, like early July, right? At the earliest. Brad Edwards says if the deal goes through, he hasn't decided yet if he'll accept a position. I would have to think about that.
6: What would be your reservations? Well, like I said before, we would lose um, pay. Would drop. we Lose benefits. That would that would hurt my my um, well being. Uh, you
0: you seem to me to be the kind of person who doesn't seek the limelight. You're not the kind of person who wants to go and talk to people, but you seem to have this duty to do this.
6: I do. I don't, I don't really like the limelight, but no one wants to speak up, so I, I, I'm stepping up.
1: Zach Kaler says he has made his decision already. I've already made it quite known. I'm pretty boisterous that way. You know, In a positive, professional manner, always, that uh, I will not be working for the new company. It is the decision of the university. If they no longer need my services, then I will request a termination letter from HR. Because in in sense, they're, they're ending my job with them. I agreed to work for them, for the university. I'm not working for a third party or an outside source. I'm not a commodity. I won't be, re- you know, it's not going to happen on my watch.
0: For Ozarks at Large, I'm Matthew Moore. Canvassers across the state are collecting petition signatures from registered voters to place a constitutional amendment on the November ballot to overturn the state's abortion ban. Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich reports.
9: Patrons gather this Friday evening inside Columbus House Brewery and Taproom in Fayetteville to relax after a long work week. At the far end of the bar, Ezra Smith sits at a table collecting petition signatures to overturn Arkansas's abortion ban. He's a field committee volunteer with Arkansans for Limited Government.
10: Which is the ballot question committee in support of the Arkansas abortion amendment.
9: Arkansans for Limited Government is comprised of pro-choice grassroots organizers, volunteer citizens, health care providers, and faith leaders committed to restoring safe abortion access in Arkansas. Arkansas was among 13 states that immediately enacted trigger bans after the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade in the summer of 2022. Both surgical and medical abortions are banned in Arkansas except to save the life of a pregnant person, with no exception for incest or rape. If approved, the citizen-initiated constitutional amendment will allow access to abortion to pregnant people up to 18 weeks after fertilization. Allowance is also made in the instance of rape, incest, fatal fetal anomaly, or when the abortion is needed to protect a pregnant person's life or physical health. This petition signing at Columbus House is among a growing number of public and private canvassing sites mobilized after the ballot measure was certified by Arkansas Attorney General Tim Griffin late last month.
10: So we have volunteer teams in every county. So we're doing these events all over the state. We have seven of these going tonight across the state and we have more tomorrow.
9: The deadline to gather signatures is July 5th. Arkansans for limited government plans to gather 150,000 signatures in at least 50 of 75 state counties to meet the necessary 90,704 signatures required for the question to be placed on the November ballot. Voter Darren Gabbard from West Fork signed the petition. I think it's a no-brainer that women should have, at minimum, Um,
11: safety regulations allowed for their own bodies and decisions to be made in certain cases. I think the law should obviously be a little bit more lenient um, based off of pro-choice type of items, but at bare minimum, Arkansas should be able to support
9: women and their reproductive health. So did Sarah Ironside. Well, I'm getting
11: older, which means I'm starting to think more about a family, but lots of complications can happen and or the right timing for having a family needs to be a choice that we get to make.
9: Pregnant people in crisis in Arkansas have been forced to flee the state for abortion care, and physicians could face arrest for providing such care. According to the Progressive Kaiser Family Foundation, nationally, the number of people who crossed state lines to obtain abortions more than doubled, Reaching 92,100 in the first six months of 2023, pregnant Arkansans are able, for now, to obtain abortions in Illinois, Kansas, New Mexico, and Colorado, where reproductive health care remains legal. Ezra Smith, with Arkansans for Limited Government, says he's leading a good number of onboarding petition collection trainings for anyone willing to volunteer with the campaign. You
10: can sign up on our website and you'll immediately get an email with the options where you can get trained in your week. We usually train every day at different times to cover folks who are working in evenings. Um, The training is very simple, but the rules, there are a lot of rules for signature collection. And so this is our way of kind of quality control and making sure that the folks who are volunteering for us know all of the rules, know best practices, and can canvass in the most efficient way.
9: Volunteers are equipped with petition forms, clipboards, stickers, and signs. Smith says volunteer canvassers are required to follow very strict rules when gathering signatures from voters.
10: You know, you have to use your full legal name. We've got to write as legibly as possible. We want to do things that ensure that each individual voter's signature is not tossed for some violation. Um, all the canvassing packets also have to be notarized and in the correct order so that the pages are not thrown out.
9: Canvassers are required to check if a voter's registration data is up to date as well as their county residency before a person can sign. Only canvassers are able to strike and correct voter petition form data Any error may result in the entire ballot, which may contain multiple signatures, being tossed.
10: The Secretary of State gave us some guidance as we began our field campaign. And one thing that they told us is that we can update voter registration in the same time that someone signs the petition. And it's no problem. So we have a simple tool that we use. It's a free, publicly available tool called VoterView. So voters can pull up their, as they appear in the voter roll, their legal name and their address where they're registered to make sure the information that they're putting on their packet is accurate.
9: The abortion ballot statewide canvas is divided by regions referred to as clusters, Smith says, who's working with lots of volunteers stepping forward, he says, to collect ballot petition signatures. Columbus House taproom manager Sawyer Hansen, monitoring the petition signing event, supports the ballot initiative.
0: Um, it's a cause that means a lot to me. Um, I think the overturning of Roe v. Wade was a, a travesty, and I think we need to do everything we can to correct it.
9: Hansen personally knows an individual directly impacted by the ban, he says, forced to travel long distance to obtain reproductive health care. State campaign co-coordinator Sam Watson says canvassers are also being advised to prioritize safety monitoring for any interference from pro-life Arkansas right-to-life activists, which he says are expected to stage, quote, peaceful interventions at any number of signing events this election season. Arkansas is among 13 states with citizen-initiated pro-choice constitutional ballot measures this year, with citizens in six states having approved constitutional amendments affirming access to abortion, since the U.S. Supreme Court nullified a 50-year-old constitutional right to abortion. For Ozarks at large... I'm Jacqueline Froelich.
2: This is Ozarks at Large. Five years ago, a study commissioned by the Northwest Arkansas Council reported that the region's underperforming healthcare sector meant many residents were often leaving the region to seek treatment, and many healthcare jobs were left unfilled. Upscale NWA offers a link to careers in healthcare in Northwest Arkansas, aided by financial commitments from the Accelerate Foundation and Walton Family Foundation. Upscale NWA offers tuition, books, and more. Last week, I visited with Cara Morales, the president and CEO of Upscale NWA in Rogers.
3: We wake up with a mission every day to connect people to their dream careers in healthcare. We live out that mission in a number of ways. Most of our participants would tell you that we're a high-touch, highly involved group of people here that are making sure that they have all the resources they need to be able to graduate and then go on to earn a high-demand, high-wage career in healthcare.
2: Applicants need to be at least 18 years of age, a resident of either Benton, Madison, or Washington County, possess a GED or high school diploma, be able to work and live in the United States, and have a household income less than or equal to 80% of the average median income. Accepted applicants can pursue degrees in nursing, surgical technology, and other medical degrees. I asked Carol what happens after qualifying applicants hit the green apply button that's found
3: on Upskill NWA's website. Each applicant, once they are deemed eligible, is assigned to a career navigator on our website you're going to see Claudia Mendez and Kinder Patton as those two amazing career navigators and they do exactly what their title suggests so they'll take you in they'll make sure that you are guided to how to apply for college if you've never gone to college before how to apply for student aid they'll connect you to additional resources so if you're a single parent here in North Arkansas, then you will be connected to the single parent scholarship fund. Th- there's a number of resources we serve as a connector to all of those resources. In fact, they're all integrated within our sectoral based workforce development model that serves as the foundation for upscale NWA. So everything that that participant needs is provided through Upskill NWA, including paying for the total cost of tuition, all books, all required equipment, all fees, including their licensing exam fees. They're all covered by Upskill NWA.
2: I hear the last 45 seconds of what you just said. How do you not have a thousand people hitting that green button?
3: Right, Kyle, I'm asking myself the same thing. We're so new that too few people know about us also I think it's important to note that this isn't a handout the participant has a lot of skin in the game in fact when the participant commits to being a part of upskill it comes with the responsibility to graduate from college I mean let's think about this this participant is a non-traditional student a majority of our participants have families they may be single parents or they may be a two-parent household they're working full-time or part-time and they're going to school full-time so it's a significant amount of effort and commitment that's required on their part once they graduate from college they're also required to apply and interview with the five hospital employer partners that are hiring for their role. So you can imagine that a registered nurse has significant demand. Every hospital system needs them. They have to interview with all five before they take an offer and commit to working with that employer partner right here in Northwest Arkansas for two years. Then they're released of their commitment. That's important because we are upskilling our existing population and keeping them right here in Northwest Arkansas. I mean, I imagined a day when I would be in a clinic or a hospital and I would be served by an upscale NWA participant. If you go to Washington Regional, Arkansas Children's, Mercy, Northwest, or even MANA facilities and clinics, it's very likely that you will be served by one of our program graduates so far in the two years that we have been uh, well so we launched in January of 2022 we've had two years of graduates there's been 55 total and they're working right here in those hospital systems that I mentioned so it's really amazing we've got 42 more graduates that are projected to graduate this summer
2: then I imagine from that first cohort those who are going for bachelors, they would graduate in two years.
3: That's right. Yeah, so there's staggered graduation dates just based on the length of the programs.
2: You mentioned the Single Parent Scholarship Fund, being able to connect with that. And I know one of their strengths is working with their recipients, their clients, throughout, yes. helping out because many, well, obviously single parents, they have children and things can come up. I imagine that's what the navigators with upskills do, too. It's not get you in, see you later.
3: exactly right and and I would tell you that just from my own experience with them they're fully vested in these relationships with our participants I mean they're they would say sometimes they're they're wearing different hats it might be a coach it might be a mentor it might be you know a resource connector there is a secret sauce behind upscale NWA and it is it's people It's hard to describe the motivation to do this work. It's difficult and our participants face a number of challenges as they're going to school but man I would want a Claudia or a Kinder in my corner if I ever faced any of those kinds of challenges. They're so resourceful and they're experienced having worked in systems like VA, DHS. They've got tons of experience and this is what their this is where their passion is. So I'm very very happy with what they've been able to do to make sure that our participants are achieving their dreams. They're graduating from college and they're changing their lives by working in in a career. It's really exciting.
2: Not only are there the connections, not only is there the tuition and the books, but because Northwest Arkansas is growing the way it is, and because we know studies commissioned by the Northwest Arkansas Council tell us we have a shortage in healthcare uh, professionals here, it's a job.
3: You're exactly right. And these do have a job, and they do get a job. Um, we collect a lot of data, and, and we should because outcomes are important. Our graduates are placed. So we have a 91% retention rate. That's significant. That's and when you consider that retention rates suffer sometimes because of the external challenges that people have when they go to school it is significant we have a 75 percent placement rate of once they graduate they get placed with an employer partner within 90 days I mean we're placing far more than that but sometimes it takes longer than that 90 days because the reality is there's a lot of competing priorities out there but we're proud of those numbers Um, and they're important and they were jointly defined by our hospital partners and educator partners. So we're excited about the future. Um, We're inspired by our participants and we know that this work changes people's lives and what better reason to do it and continue to have these conversations. So I, I sincerely appreciate you, Kyle, for having me on. If someone
2: hears this and they're interested or they know someone who might be interested, that person isn't 100% sure healthcare is for them. Yeah. You know, we've said dream job. Not everyone has the dream job right. initially. They're interested, but they're not sure. Should they
3: still acquire? Yes, they should. And I would say they can email info at upskillnwa.com. That's our general email box, and we do answer it every day so have them do that and we're happy to sit down in a conversation with them i'll also let you know that we're out in the community a lot so i encourage your listeners to follow our social media accounts on facebook and instagram and even if you have linkedin uh, for a calendar of places that will be this yeah this week we've been at the Fayetteville Public Library we've been on the NWET campus we've been at Northwest Technical Institute and next week we're going to go back to those places. We're going to be at the Jones Center. We're going to be at Fayetteville Public Library. So we want to be where you're at so that we can answer those questions in person. Or, you know, email that address that I gave you and set up an appointment. We'd love to talk to you. I'd love to sit down with somebody here in the office and and share everything that I know about this program and and the stories of the real people who are changing their lives all the time. How did you come to upscale? What a great question. <laughs> I'll tell you I came to Northwest Arkansas after having spent 25 years with Walmart and then I went out into the private sector and became a partner in a consulting firm called Serve to Perform and I was out there doing work uh, building up Latin with our team and that's where the Accelerate Foundation found me and said, hey, you know, we see your background and we think you'd be great at starting up a brand new organization. And so, <laughs> the rest is history. I'm now starting my third year in this role and I couldn't be happier, more grateful for all of the experience that I've gained and all the knowledge that I've learned by serving the Northwest Arkansas residents. It's really indescribable.
2: 25 years at Walmart, then a partner in a consulting firm. Still, you come to something new. I imagine there's a little bit of navigation you might have needed at the beginning, and that might make you understand or empathize with the people using Upscale.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you, I have a very personal reason for doing this. My mother, who um, is no longer with us, she passed away in 2017, but one of my earliest Memories and fondest memories of her, Kyle, were sitting cross-legged on her bed, helping her study for her GED. This was in 1986, and that GED study booklet was like those big old yellow phone books, if your listeners can imagine. They were huge. And I was helping her learn math. At the age of 40, well, at the age of 50, my mother graduated with her bachelor's. In sociology from Howard Payne University in Brownwood, Texas. Every single participant we commit to that program is my mama. That's the way I see it. That's why this is so personal to me and I can't help but keep the emotion out of my voice. It's very special.
2: Gary Morales is the president and CEO of Upskill NWA. She talked with me last week in Rogers. There's more about Upskill NWA at upskillnwa.com. Also at that website, you can find a calculator that tells you what 80% of the average median income is, and if you qualify to be an applicant. This is Ozarks at Large. <music> exciting art collaboration is nearing its conclusion on the University of Arkansas campus. Gone artist Jacob Jopah Jr. has been creating a proverbial coffin with UA art students the past two and a half weeks. A proverbial coffin is created in the shape of something representing the deceased's life, a fisherman buried in a coffin that looks like a fish, for example. Yesterday, Jacob and three students were placing the finishing touches on a sankofa bird coffin. Think of a bird is a symbol adopted in African and African diaspora communities to convey the importance of looking to the past to determine the best course forward. It means
4: we are permitted to go back to the past, fix all the damages and the mess, and we can move forward. If we've uh, failed an exams before, we can uh, find out where we, we made a mistake in the exams. That's why we, we failed we can re-correct and we resit for another exam and we pass. If we've been rich before and we've lost everything, we sh- we should be able to find where we we made a mistake to lose everything we've uh, we've gained for uh, for ages.
2: Janine Sitzma, an assistant professor of art history, arts of Africa and the African diaspora at the U of A School of Art, says the completion of the coffin will be marked with a traditional procession tomorrow afternoon, beginning at 2:30 in the lobby of the Art School's Studio and Design Center on Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard.
12: And we'll walk along Martin Luther King Boulevard. We'll, you know, walk through some of the parking lots by our Segas, so on and so forth. And then we'll, um, we'll make our way through the, the trail to the water.
2: She says this project included students from a wide variety of art disciplines. Veronica Huff, a senior at the university, says the experience of working with an internationally recognized artist to help create the coffin... Is an unforgettable one.
12: It's been really beautiful um, and free. Like no, like you, know, you don't have to worry about measurements and stuff like that necessarily. Kind of just flows. And he's like, Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, and then just cuts it and helped him uh, hold it, and glue, shape the head and everything, various areas. But yeah, it's been a really beautiful and powerful experience, very spiritual experience as well.
2: And again, the procession of the coffin begins tomorrow afternoon at 2 30 at the Design Center on MLK in Fayetteville. Jacob Jopah Jr. will deliver an artist talk tomorrow evening at 5 30 in Hillside Auditorium on the university campus. And we're going to have much more about the project, including sounds of the procession on an upcoming edition of Ozarks at Large. <music> This is Ozarks at Large. We continue to share excerpts from KUAF's Listening Lab Series, T, the Transgender Experience in Arkansas. It profiles lives of seven trans youth, women, and men. This week, Sophia Narani talks with 16-year-old Fayetteville resident Grayson Brown. He reveals when he first became aware of being trans masculine and how he's settling into his identity.
12: I knew something was weird at probably like... 12-ish and like 12 13 around then I thought like maybe I'm non-binary like not just just like not a girl and so I started experimenting with that and it felt not quite right but better um and then one of my best friends in the world he came out as a trans guy and I was like oh that's yeah that's me too. And sort of going off on that when you were a child did you prefer to wear your hair
11: or your clothing in any particular way? Do you wear chest binders?
12: Yeah, I do bind, um, which is interesting because some people think it's, like, super counterintuitive, like, it's terrible for your body, which, yeah, maybe a little bit, but so it's feeling terrible just, like, walking around every day. But um, I just keep my hair short clothing-wise, just, I usually wear baggy clothes, just, like, hide my chest and, like, like the way I'm shaped, um, just, like, more either like masculine or unisex clothes, bigger clothes, stuff like that.
11: Mm-hmm. When did you come out to your
12: family? You Can you describe that experience and their reaction? Yeah, so I came out to my family first as non-binary. I don't want to say they didn't care. They didn't have much of a reaction, though, because they didn't think that it would be anything lasting. They thought it was just like, I wanted to do something a little fun. So they didn't really do much with it. They just kind of said, okay, you go do your thing. But I came out as a trans man, I believe I was about 13. Yeah, when I I came out to them, they still thought that it was just like something that would go away in a few weeks. Obviously, Mm -hmm. it did not. (laughs) Right.
11: How did coming out to your family compare to your experience with coming out to friends?
12: A lot of my friends at the time were queer in some way. Um, a few of them were trans, or I guess should say are trans. But so they, like, were really accepting. Some of like my really close friends were just like, okay, cool, you're a dude now, and it was just like, it wasn't like a big thing. they were just like, cool, that's who you are. That's who you are to us. My family was more like, whoa, like pump the brakes. My family is much more. I don't want to say conservative about it, but, like, not super receptive. The Arkansas legislature
11: passed a new law, Act 542, the Given Name Act, which bans teachers and other school employees from using a student's preferred pronouns or name unless the school has written permission from a parent or a legal guardian. Did you obtain permission, and are your teachers respecting your pronouns?
12: Yeah, so the way that the bill sounds... Sounds very scary. What I did in years past, I just emailed my teachers and said, hey, this is me, different than the roster. But this year I had to email them and say, I have written consent. All my teachers are very respectful and accepting. Um, A lot of teachers that I have, if they have trans students who don't go by the name on the roster that don't have written consent, they will just call them by their last name instead of using their dead name and outing them and making them feel bad. And school isn't the greatest place to be a trans person, but my teachers do make it a lot better with just helping me out just that little bit, calling me by my preferred name, my actual name.
11: Another new law, Act 317, known as the Bathroom Bill, bans students from using a multiple occupancy bathroom or changing area inconsistent with the sex listed on their birth certificate. If a student doesn't want to identify as male or female, the law stipulates that the school shall provide a reasonable accommodation, such as a bathroom or locker, with space for only
12: one person at a time. How has FHS accommodated you in this situation? In the entire building, I guess both buildings, it's a massive campus, there's one bathroom that I can use um, because it is a single bathroom that's available to students. So there's like one time during the day when I'm close enough to reasonably go to that restroom and not take like 15 minutes out of my class. So it is very irritating that they don't have more accommodations, you know, even if it's uncomfortable. So you plan to obtain gender
11: affirming medical treatment after you turn 18. What sort of medical treatment do you want to pursue? What does that look like for you?
12: Yeah, so number one thing would just be testosterone and hormone replacement therapy. Um, once I turn 18, I. The second biggest thing is top surgery. A double mastectomy, it's like the medical term. Just to. It's like that's my biggest area of discomfort, um, is my chest. So, as soon as possible, I'm booking myself in for surgery and getting that done. So, what are your interests in and out of school? So, inside of school, academically, I am really interested in, like, social sciences, like, um, sociology, psychology. But outside of school, or outside of academics, I should say, I am in choir, and that's a really big part of me. It's just something that really means a lot to me, a really great community and something I really, really enjoy. I like listening to music, write a little bit of music, singing. I'm beginning to learn guitar, even though it's very iffy, but now it's getting there. Have you attended
11: any LGBTQ plus Pride events in Fayetteville?
12: Yeah, I went to one, um, I think it was the summer before last, I went to the Pride Parade this summer, I was not able to make it, unfortunately, but, yeah, the stuff that we have here in Fayetteville for, like, pride and inclusivity is, I think, a lot better than almost all of Arkansas could boast, so it's really good to be part of it. What do you want to do after you graduate high school? Um, I don't know where, but go to college and get my undergraduate in um, social work and then a minor in either like gender and sexuality studies or LGBTQ plus studies. Um, and then get my master's in social work. And like my end goal, like when this happens, you'll like, it's a success point is a private practicing licensed clinical social worker. So like when you think of therapy, kind of like that. So you've lived in Fayetteville
11: your whole life. Do you want to stay in Arkansas?
12: Um, I love Fayetteville. I really do love it here. I do not want to stay here. It's just not really for me at this point. Like I love Arkansas. Genuinely I do. Arkansas does not love me. Like it's just not really a place that can accommodate me anymore. Do you have
11: any advice or any words for trans youth that are having similar experiences to
12: yours? I can't say much because I've barely lived it but it can be the worst ever to be trans especially in Arkansas and especially as a teenager but it's also so fun like it's just it's a really really great community you can make a lot of really great friends but it's just it's a very unique thing to experience and I feel like even in the times when it's really hard just like you're getting through it and you should just Be happy with what you have and this unique part of you that no one else understands. Which, again, can be not great, but it's also super cool.
11: I like that. Yeah. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you wanted to share?
12: Yeah, actually, I was thinking about it um, over the past week, like the way that being trans can affect like relationships. Um, I feel like a lot of people don't talk about it but like romantic relationships my dating pool is basically only other trans people dating a cis person can be terrifying like in the sense that it's very easy for them to not see me as a guy and so my dating pool is teeny tiny there's a lot of trans people at FHS but there's Compared to how many people were there, there's really not that many. So it's just, it can be, being trans can be a very, very limiting experience. It's like, it can be very restrictive. That's a part of it that I feel like a lot of people don't really talk about much.
11: Well, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for having oh, me. It's great course. to be here. Of course. Thank you for speaking with us.
2: 16-year-old Grayson Brown speaking with Ozarks at Larges Sophia Narani for KUAF's Listening Lab series, T, the transgender experience in Arkansas. T is filmed by Emerson Alexander, edited by Sophia, and produced by Jacqueline Froelich. To view this episode and previous episodes, you can go to listeninglab.com. Then just search T. The Listening Lab is a possibility thanks to funding from the Walmart Foundation's Creating Community in Northwest Arkansas through Bridging and Belonging Initiative. You can learn more at listeninglabkuaf.com.
12: Good morning, A.
2: Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Leila. Morning, Steve. Spend your mornings with us on Morning Edition from NPR News. Every weekday. Morning Edition, tomorrow morning and every weekday morning from 5 to 9. The Jones Center in Springdale will foster accessibility with its indoor triathlon taking place in early March. The center's marketing and communications director, Jill Sewell, says the indoor event can be more beginner-friendly than an outdoor competition. Ozarks at Large's Jack Travis visited the Jones Center earlier this month to get a sneak peek at where the event will take place. Rain or shine, sleet or snow, it
8: won't matter for athletes at the Jones Center in Springdale on Saturday, March 2nd. The center is hosting a triathlon, which will take place entirely indoors. The competition will take participants on a tour through the facility. The event begins in the indoor pool where athletes will swim as many laps as they can for 10 minutes. Then, they will have another 10 minutes to dry off, change, and take a water break before heading to the stationary bikes to try and ride their maximum distance in 20 minutes. Finally, athletes will find the treadmills and have 15 minutes to run as far as they can. Jones Center Director of Marketing and Communications, Jill Sewell, took me through the facility to show off the different areas of competition we first visited the pool, which was warm despite the cool February temperatures outside. She says that the swimming portion of a triathlon is usually the most daunting aspect of the competition for beginners.
13: If you're doing an outdoor open water swim is a different thing that might be intimidating, like whether it's a lake or in the ocean, you know, um, because you have waves or, (laughs) you know, things that are not, you know, maintained or contained the way a pool is, right? So this is um, a great triathlon for beginners in that way. Also, we are open, you know, so, you know, if a woman called and was like, I'm not the best swimmer. And we're like, if you need it, we could give you a kickboard. And you could go, you know, do your laps on the kickboard, just as long as you're giving it a shot. You know, it's like, it does not matter if you are competitive or if you're just wanting to try it. Um, It's for everyone, like I said.
8: Sewell is a triathlete herself. She says she used to race semi-frequently in her native state of Florida, where open-water swims usually took place in the ocean.
13: I had an experience where my mom was spectating and I was doing a triathlon, and the person on the microphone while we're doing the swim is like, well, there's no shark sightings this morning, everyone. So, you know, of course, the swimmers we don't hear, but the spectators were all cracking up because they're like, they're they're out there in the water.
8: For non-cyclist triathletes, biking can also present barriers to entry, A good bike might run someone a few thousand dollars. Plus, you need a different type of bike depending on the style of riding the competition includes.
13: Because if you don't have the right equipment, like, you get nervous, you know, about that. And here again, you don't have to worry about it because we're doing it on stationary bikes inside. So um, it's like an easy access point because it's all provided to you and you don't have to invest money or, you know, research, try to figure out, do I need a mountain bike? Do I need a road bike? What do I, what is the, you know, all this?
8: During our trek through the Jones Center, we ran into guest services manager Hunter Rogers, he had participated in the indoor triathlon before and says he especially enjoyed the experience because it was a time trial rather than a distance-based competition.
14: I didn't have to meet a certain distance, so, you know, if I needed to go slower in the pool, because I am not a good swimmer, I could, whereas if I wanted to just speed it up on the bike, I could do really, really well on the bike and then not even going to, like, walked mostly on the treadmill because I, at you know, a large person am not a big runner but it was a lot it was a lot of fun
8: roger says he had previously tried an outdoor triathlon but preferred the jones center's indoor version
14: wasn't the most enjoyable uh, just because i didn't like having that safety and security of knowing i was in a safe place with a pool like swimming in open water is just absolutely terrifying and so this one was at the lake absolutely terrifying but swimming in a pool where especially as an employee i know how safe everything is i know what, how the equipment is kept up. I know everything that's going on here just made me feel a whole lot better on that.
8: Sewell says the triathlon is indicative of the Jones Center's mission, which is...
13: All are welcome. So we are a place for everyone um, and, you know, we want everyone to learn, play, and thrive. And so we have, you know, this indoor and outdoor facility that um, offers a bunch of different, you know, sports and health Amenities, um, But then on top of that, we layer on, you know, programming that will be beneficial and enticing to a wide range of people. Do you want to take salsa classes? Do you want to do martial arts? Do you want to, you know, learn more about um, biking? And we have the runway bike park outside. Um, you know, we have basketball courts and we have hockey, drop in hockey. We have just <laughs> everything. So it's really just the the Jones Center vision was, you know, a place for people uh, to just, to, uh, for, for the whole community to come together um, and find some outlet for a healthy life.
8: You can visit our website, ozarksatlarge.com, for more information about the Jones Center, their indoor triathlon, and all upcoming events. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jack Travis.
0: Ozarks at Large is a production of 91.3 KUAF Fayetteville, a listener-supported service of the University of Arkansas. Contributors to our show today include Jacqueline Froelich, Sophia Narani, Emerson Alexander, and Jack Travis. Matthew!
2: Produce the show inside the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio 2. I'm Kyle Kellams. I'm Matthew Moore. Be well. Black-Owned Northwest Arkansas presents the Black-Owned Business
4: Expo, February 24th, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Fayetteville Town Center. Guests are invited to come discover and shop with black business owners and talent from across the region. Details at blackownednwa.org or eventbrite.com. Support for KUAF comes from Atlas Obscura's Ecliptic Festival, a celebration of the 2024 eclipse at Valley of the Vapors in Hot Springs, April 5th through the 9th. This festival features music, science, art, and more. Information at ecliptic.atlasobscura.com.